0: to just take a moment to thank your pastors, Pastor Anna, Pastor Joel, these two, this is an amazing couple, an amazing um, powerhouse for the Lord, filled with faith, filled with passion, filled with wisdom for leadership for you and for this area was, it invigorated my faith, and so can we just honor your pastors this morning, thank you, thank you for having us. Well, we are excited to be able to share with you this morning. And you know what? We're going to get to the Bible deck because this is The Rock, and that's what we do in just a minute. But first, before we do, I am going to share just a little bit of the journey that Jessica and I have been on. Now, Pastor Anna told us that she was excited for us to come and share because uh, she's been—the Lord has— given her this vision, this passion to lead this church in saying yes, the full yes to living for the Lord. And and so uh, we just want to share a couple of the yeses we've been able to make over the years. You know, when you you say yes to living for Jesus, you know, you're going to end up going on the wildest ride you've ever (laughs) signed up for. I'm just saying right now, um, a couple years back, even we, we had the opportunity to say yes. We weren't looking to say yes to. We, we weren't looking for this opportunity. It was a couple of years ago. We were in England. Jessica just finished her master's, and we were thinking, okay, we're going on the mission field. And the Lord said, no, you're going back to Southern California. And we said, huh? Yeah, yes, Lord. And he opened up the opportunity for us to be the lead pastors at the Rock Campus. In Hispania, and you know he knows best. Let me just tell you, he knows how to get you where he needs you, when he needs you there, and and what training you need along the way. And we are so thankful we said yes to that assignment because of how it has prepared us, equipped us, brought us together uh, as a couple to be able to say yes to the things that we're going to be doing now. And so, as we were there pastoring about two years ago, we were at. Uh, we went to rock conference and how many, of you know, the Lord speaks to you at rock conference. I mean, come on, go expecting to receive because he will speak to you. And at two different sessions, the Lord spoke to Jessica and I, and he said, it's time to lay down your church and get ready to go international with OSL. And so we got, you know, we were excited because this is that yes we've been wanting to say, you know? And, and so he led us in this process, but you know, what? he didn't tell us where we were going. He said, you're going. And we said, yes. And we began walking forward and taking steps, not knowing where we were going. And the first opportunity presented to us was in Nigeria. Now, we have two toddlers. We have a three-year-old son named Cohen, and we have a -a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Selah. They are amazing. They're just right back there, and they are beautiful. But, you know, when you think of, oh, look at them. They're so cute but when you think of where you want to go as missionaries and take your toddlers, Nigeria is not at the top of the list. But the Lord said, be willing, and we said yes. And long story short, that actually didn't pan out. They weren't ready for us to go there. But in the meantime, Pastor Jerry Stott, the Foursquare Area Missionary for the South Pacific, many of you probably heard him at Rock Conference, he uh, came and talked with Pastor Jerry Dearman, our senior pastor, and he said, Hey, if you're sending out OSL missionaries regional, uh, to regional locations, you need to send them to the South Pacific. We have 26,000 four-square churches in the South Pacific, and we have this massive need for discipleship. You need to send them here if you're sending them out anywhere. And he said, we'll connect them uh, with the Foursquare Church in New Zealand. They can live there because that is the best place to be. One of the best places to be able to fly in and throughout the South Pacific and living in Auckland. And and we'll just get OSL flowing throughout the throughout the South Pacific. And Pastor Jerry came to us and said, well, will you guys pray about this? And that was something the Lord confirmed. And we got to say, yes. And we're so thankful, we're so excited to be able to say yes to whatever it is that the Lord had for us because we knew wherever he wants us to be, that's the best place, the safest place, the right place for us to be. And so we're on this journey. We've been preparing now. It took us a year to to hand over the church, and now we're taking a year and preparing to become full-time Foursquare missionaries to the South Pacific, living in Auckland, New Zealand, working with the Foursquare Church there, where we're going to be pastor, helping pastor uh, a church there, as well as taking OSL throughout the South Pacific. How many of you have done OSL? Come on. It, and how many of you who just raised your hand would say it changed your life? Right? Every hand was still up. All right, And I would encourage you, if you haven't done it, jump in. Jump in. It doesn't matter how much background of theology you already have, it will be a blessing to your life. And so, um, we're going to go and we're going to give what we've freely received. And we're going to equip pastors and leaders throughout the South Pacific to better disciple their people. And that is something we're so excited about. And we can't wait to see what the Lord does. He has an incredible vision for the South Pacific that he continues to stir more and more within our hearts. And uh, we're, we're excited to be able to do this with you. And if you do want to receive any more information about what we're doing or about how you can even join our ministry support team, actually we've set it up for this morning that you can text OSLSP, that's OSLSP, to 66866. Can I get that slide up there? Do you have that? Oh, Awesome. There it is. OSLSP to 66866. You text that, you'll get uh, uh, the information that you need. And we're so excited to be able to be in this with you, knowing it's not just us. It's everyone going with us, sending us. And the ministry is happening because of you as well. And so thank you for letting us share just a brief moment uh, about our journey and how the Lord is leading us. We're going to get into the Word right now. And Jessica's got some things the Lord has been stirring on in her heart. So if you have your Bibles, you have those, lift it up with me, whether that's the, the digital form, you've got the book, whatever it is. You guys ready to say this out loud and loudly together? Ready to go. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my
1: life forever. Amen. Amen. I like him. I think I'm going to keep him. Love it. Hey, I'm excited to bring the word for you this morning. Um, And as I get started, first of all, I just want to recognize that you guys not only have amazing pastors, but you also have amazing assistant pastors. I've gotten to work with uh, Pastor Dave and his beautiful wife for a long time. We did a lot of level ones together back in Anaheim. Um, Also, we work together. I oversee OSL International, and Dave oversees OSL US, and so we partner together in that capacity a lot. So you guys are just blessed with amazing leadership here at this church. You really are. And as I was preparing for today, um, I felt like the Lord just gave me a picture for your campus and specifically for you guys that I just wanted to open up and share. And I saw this picture as I was praying over South County and what God's doing here. And I just saw this picture of you guys having this tremendous key in your hands, just a key in your hands. And I felt like the Holy Spirit simply said this. And what I felt like the Lord said was that he's been giving you these keys to unlock the move of the Spirit. And he's been giving you keys to just—and it's like I saw doors open, and I saw fear removing, and I saw unforgiveness just being released out, and I saw religious spirits going. And what I saw is as those things—the Lord's been giving you keys just to remove those things out of the hearts and minds of people— is that then in came this move of the Spirit, in came the power of God. And so just my little encouragement to you guys this morning is I just felt like this well done. Just this continue to stay on track with what God has been showing you, with the things that you've been pressing into, because he's well pleased. And so excited to see God continue to move in this place. And what I wanted to bring and share with you this morning is really a message that God has been stirring in my heart over this last year as Kevin and I have been on this journey of getting ready to go onto the mission field. And, you know, as you begin this journey and all of a sudden you come under this label of missionary, it's just this unique experience. And as I've been walking through it, what God has just been putting in my heart is this is not for the few. But this experience of living and breathing the Great Commission is the mandate to the church, period. And I don't know about you, but I have moments in my life where I desperately need answers. Anyone else? And I had one of those moments yesterday morning because we are traveling with our two precious toddlers. But for any of you who have had kids, had toddlers, you know, it is a full on season where they could do anything at any moment that is very destructive. And so We're staying with some really great friends of ours, and they were out of town, opened up their home to us. And so we're there, and I'm trying to pay attention to them. I'm also still working full-time at the Rock Anaheim as our missions pastor, so I'm trying to get some things done for an event that we've got coming on that night. And I literally, I think I looked away for maybe three minutes— and you guys know that's like, dun, 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 right? When you've got toddlers and you look away for three minutes and all of a sudden my son comes out and he's got this big smile on his face and he's so excited and he's like, mommy, mommy, come look at what I did. <laughs> and there's a marker in his hand. And my heart just began to sink and I go around the corner with him and on their wall, he has taken a black marker that he found on their desk because they don't have kids. So they don't know you can't keep markers anywhere, right? (laughs) When you don't have children and he has drawn circles, black circles on their wall and on one of their doors. And can I tell you in that moment, I just the grace and peace of God fell on me. No, that is not what happened, people the rage and the wrath began to be released through me oh my gosh I was so upset to the point where my husband walked in and I usually keep my cool pretty well with my kids but I'm tired we just drove 12 hours the day before I've got an event that night I mean I am maxed and my flesh just begins to come out and my husband puts me on timeout anyone know what that's like where your your spouse sees you and says, You cannot parent any longer. You need to go in the corner. And so he puts me on timeout and he begins to Google. Because that's what we do now, right? Like Google, like what do you do with marker on wall? And uh and you know what? Praise God, we found out that rubbing alcohol people, it is your best friend with small children. And if you dab rubbing alcohol on the wall, it brought all of that marker off. And uh, it was an amazing God breakthrough moment in our life. (laughs) But as I kind of reflected on this moment, I was just thinking about, you know, in that, when that happened, all of a sudden there was this mess and this chaos and this destruction in my life that just brought anxiety and panic. And I needed an answer. And I thought, what a simple, beautiful description of how a lot of people live their life all the time in this sense of being out of control, in this sense of things breaking down or happening in a way that they did not foresee or desire. And so it creates in them this sense of panic and anxiety. And so much of our world lives in that way. And what they're so desperate for is an answer is an answer. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus, in Luke chapter four, he's just been baptized and he comes up and the spirit of God comes on him. And it says that he goes out in power. And one of the first places that he goes back in Galilee is he goes back to Nazareth, which is where he was brought up. This is his hometown. He walks into the synagogue and as he goes into the synagogue, he goes to the front to read and they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. And he opens the scroll to one of the Messianic texts, one of the texts that had talked about him coming. And as he opens up that text, he begins to make this declaration. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And when he declares this out of Isaiah, it says in verse 20, then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Don't you just love, this is like the ultimate mic drop moment, guys. He's just made this declaration. He goes and he sits down. And then in verse 21, it says, and he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Drop. What is he saying? He's saying the answer has come. He's saying the answer has come. I am here, and look, I mean this is audacious. He says, "I am here, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me." And if you are broke, if you are up to your eyeballs in debt, bankrupt, homeless, the answer is right here. And then he goes on to say, "Hey, hey, if you are broken hearted, if you've lost a relationship, a business, your reputation, your answer is right here." He says, "Man, if you are captive." to an addiction, to an abusive relationship, to a label that someone has spoken over you. If you're captive, your answer is right here. If you need healing in your body, you need healing in your mind, you need healing in your emotion, your answer is right here. And he's not saying this declaration saying, hey, look at me. But he's saying, hey, your answer, God is here with you to be what you need me to be, to bring the hope back to your hopelessness. He's saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this. That everything that the enemy and sin broke in the world, Jesus is coming and saying, I'm coming to restore. I'm coming to redeem. I'm coming to heal. It was good news, right? I mean, this is good news that he was coming and declaring. And then they wanted to throw him off the cliff. But you can, you can understand with that kind of audacious statement from someone that you've grown up around, and then he went on to say a couple other things, that they were a little upset. But what they missed in that moment is that God was speaking directly to their heart. And he continues to speak directly to our heart to say, I am the answer. In the midst of your mess, in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of things not going the way that you wanted them to go, I am your answer. But you know what's even crazier to me than that statement that Jesus made out of Luke chapter 4 is what Jesus continues to go on and then say to his disciples. Because we know that Jesus then demonstrated this life of being the answer over the course of his ministry. And he showed his disciples, look, I'm just, I'm healing the blind, right? I'm setting free the captive, right? I'm forgiving the sin of the adulterer. Like he was doing it. He's living it, manifesting it. And then he goes to the cross and he dies. And then he rises again. And then he tells his disciples, I want you to meet me at this certain place in Galilee. And he brings them up this mountain to Galilee and he looks them in the eye. And we come to Matthew 28. And this whole ministry, him being the answer, the good news manifests in the person of Jesus Christ. He then looks at the 11 disciples and he says this. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says this simple word that has messed my life up so much. He says, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We know the Great Commission if we've been around church before but what I've seen so often in myself and in other believers is that we think the Great Commission is amazing, and it's fantastic, and yes, we should be a part of that, but we see it as something that Jesus handed to the church corporately. Yes, those people, like Kevin and Jessica, man, they would be good missionaries. They should go, right? Anna and Joel, come on there. but Yes, you guys go. Make disciples. That's fantastic. And we can cheer from the sideline, Right? But the Great Commission was never something that Jesus was making to the church corporately. He was making it to individuals. He was making it to each and every one of us. The Great Commission was something that was passed on to his disciples. And guess who we are today? We're his disciples, right? where he was looking at them eye to eye, these men. And what I am convinced of is that the spirit of God continues to beckon each one of us to these different mountains in our life, where he wants to look at us eye to eye and say, will you go and make disciples? And our goes look very different. For me and Kevin, for a season, it was in Hesperia. That was our go. That's where Jesus said, I have a mandate and a mission for your life to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Right now, your go, if you live here in San Clemente or in the surrounding area, this is your go, right? This is the place that God has planted you, or if it's not, be wherever he's called you, right? But wherever you are, that is your go. It's not necessarily about a geographical location. It's about understanding the moment in your life and the assignment that's on your life and being willing to say yes, Because it's like this baton that Jesus had in his hand, and he began the ministry, but he's making it extremely clear to the disciples that it is no longer in his hand now. He's saying, I have the Spirit of the Lord upon me to begin this, but now I'm handing it to you. But when someone hands something to you, what do you have to do? You got to grab it. (laughs) And for a lot of us, and I know for different me, for different seasons of my life, it's like the baton was hanging there. The invitation was extended, but it was a choice that I had to make to say, I got it. I'll take it and I'll accept everything that goes along with it. But it's the greatest invitation that we have after accepting Christ is then the invitation then to go and become his hands and feet and extend what he's done in us to the world around us. I want you to write down this statement if you're taking notes because it's a statement I feel like we just need to meditate on and ponder when it comes to our own life and our own context. And it's this. Jesus never intended to add the Great Commission to your life. He intended to make it your life. Jesus never intended to add the Great Commission to your life. He intended to make it your life. A lot of times, and again, for me in my own seasons, I felt like, oh, God, making disciples, taking time to mentor people, taking time to go evangelize, taking time to be a part of your body. I don't know if I've got time for that. And it's this mentality that I am adding something to the plate that I already have. And it is a revelation to realize that, no, Jesus kind of likes to clear the plate. (laughs) And he says that anything you're going to put on the plate has to be on top of this foundation of you understanding that your life is not your own, of you understanding that the Great Commission isn't this thing that you do occasionally when you go to Peru or when you go to another country or when you're on an actual church, local outreach, but it's part of who you are. It's the very foundation of your being is that you are a disciple. And by definition, to be a disciple of Christ means you're making disciples. That is what it means to be a disciple. Because every disciple has the great commission as part of their mandate. And so if I'm not making disciples in some way, somehow in my life, I'm actually not living a life full of discipleship. It's in part, but it's not in full. I've got to be giving away what I have in order to really, truly be living as a disciple of Christ. Jesus never intended to add it to our life. He intended to make it to our life. When I was 19, I was at UCLA. I was doing my undergrad in political science, and I was planning to go to Georgetown for law school. I was a super crazy overachiever. I finished UCLA in three years. I finished with honors, and I had my plan. Anyone else know about that? You got your plan. I got my career path. I know I'm going to make money. I, I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to do good through humanitarian law. I had my plan, though. When I was 19, God just began to railroad my plan, guys. I mean, just mess it up. I had this encounter with him when I was at this retreat. I was part of Campus Crusade at UCLA, and I'm watching this short-term missions video. And I just remember the impact of the Spirit of God in that moment where I realized I've been running from something my entire life have been running away from this sense on the inside of me that I was made from more than just great grades and the esteem and respect of people and ultimately making money. I came from a really wealthy area in the Bay Area, and I had all these voices in my head that I was running after this pathway because of all these voices, but I was quieting this one voice that meant the most, and it was the voice of the Lord who was saying, no, I have something greater for you. Than all of those things, he's able to bless us with all of that. But I knew that he was saying, but I've got something even greater. And I had this, I just had this encounter and I'm just in the middle of like a room like this watching this video. And I just knew that I'm going to live my life. And one day I'm going to have to look at Jesus in the face. I'm going to have to give account for what I did with my talent and what I did with my energy and what I did with my time. And, and I knew in that moment, I cannot any longer make decisions based off of my plans. I have to surrender and let him lead me where he'll lead me because the only thing that's going to matter when I look to him face to face is how I fulfilled the great commission. It's all that's going to matter is how I did his ministry here on this planet. And I kind of did just like, okay, I give God, I give. I called my parents on the phone. Hey, I'm not going to Georgetown, right? I, I finished out my degree, but I said, God, I will go wherever you call me to go. And that led me to doing an internship at the rock, at this little church in Anaheim that had just gotten started a couple years before. And uh, it felt like I was going backwards. And it was really hard for a while because all my friends are going on to get their master's degrees and going on to these amazing careers. And I'm interning and just getting my character pounded, just getting humbled, right? Learning how to just operate behind the scenes where no one sees me. And and God took me into what I love, Christine Kane. If you've listened to her, she talks about the dark room that in order for God to do amazing things through you, he's got to take you into these seasons of anonymity where he just works on your heart and your character because all public ministry prives out flows out of your private life. And so he took me into that place and just worked on my heart. And then I got to go to Michigan and help with our first satellite campus out there. And it was a lot more just pounding of my character while I was out there doing church planning, church planning will pound your character guys in the most beautiful way. And, uh, But through all of it, I've never regretted that decision that I made in that room when I was 19 years old. Because of this right here. Because the words of Jesus are true and they are real. This invitation to go and make disciples. And what I've found is that even though the sacrifice is great at times, the reward is so much greater. That we get to, in whatever vocation, it's not about a vocation, it's about a heart and a mindset with whatever we're doing, is that if I'm a business owner, I'm a business owner who's about the Great Commission. If I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse who's about the Great Commission, right? If I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm a stay-at-home mom who is all about making disciples in my home, right, and reaching moms in my community and helping them to make disciples in their home. It's not about a vocation. It is about a mindset. It's about waking up in the morning and realizing that each day that baton is extended to me. Every day I get to wake up and either say yes to Jesus and yes to this greater eternal picture in my life, or I just go about the rat race of the day, right? Just living day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and we are invited to something so much greater. Now, often what holds us back is that we just feel inadequate. Like, you don't know me, right? Like, you don't know my issues, my inadequacies. You don't know the hidden sin, the past shame, all of that. And I want to give you this encouragement this morning. In Acts 1-8, you know, Jesus told his disciples to go. And then it's kind of funny because very soon after that, he's like, but stay. Right? He's like, go make disciples in all the nations, but stay in Jerusalem. And he was telling them to stay because of the promise of the Father that was to come. Because remember back in Luke 4, Jesus did not get up and stand and proclaim that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him until the Spirit of the Lord was really upon him right? He didn't get up and proclaim that two years earlier. He waited until the Holy Spirit truly fell on him. And then he stood up and said, the answer is here. But what's amazing is then he then told us to wait for that same exact promise. And in Acts eight, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And I love this. This is the NLT. It says, telling people about me everywhere. It's like you can't get out of that one, right? (laughs) Like Everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, when we become believers and when we become baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have the same witness that Jesus had. And a lot of us, I don't know about you guys, I'm actually an introvert. I know I stand up here. I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to new people. Like if it was just my physical, like fleshly choice, like I would be great going home and reading a book rather than going out and trying to meet new friends. Like that's just how I'm made. And so I've had to realize though, that even though sometimes I don't feel like this amazing evangelist in my personality and the way I'm wired is that I have to have more faith in the fact that the spirit of God that's upon me is the greatest evangelist on the planet, right? And so when I step out in faith to engage people, I'm not looking at, well, what does Jessica have to offer them? I have to look at, no, the same thing that Jesus looked at, because Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, right? He's on me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. That same spirit is on me. And so when I walk out my door and I go into my work, or when you walk out of your door and you go to your neighbor, you have to have more faith in the fact that the same spirit that was on Jesus resides on you. The spirit of God that knows exactly what their issue is, is in you. We don't lack anything, but the enemy will try to lie to us consistently that we lack what we need to fulfill the Great Commission, but it's just not true. And we have to get passionate about defeating those lies in our head and forcing ourselves to step out even when everything in our flesh says don't do it don't talk to them right run away they're gonna not like you and we have to just say shh and just make the decision to step out and say hey what are you reading where do you like to go you know, to get your coffee and just start the conversation and believe in the spirit of God that's in the inside of us to carry it where he needs it to go. To give us those rivers of living water to flow out of us prophetically, simplistically, that will touch the heart of what they need in that moment. 2 Corinthians 5.14, I want to wrap up with this. It says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. That if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Some of my heroes are a couple who I've gotten to work with for the last couple of years. And he actually just passed and went to be with the Lord. But their names are Frank and Elena Razo. And they're some of our rock missionaries that went down to Guaymas, Mexico. Now, Frank, who has just recently gone to be with the Lord, Frank was, like, in deep with gangs. He came from a super hard life, drugs, violence, I mean, the whole gamut. And Jesus just transformed the man. I mean, he could not talk or say the name of Jesus without crying. I mean, he was just so passionate about what God had done in them. And Frank and Elena, they were at the Rock about the same time when I started coming early 2000s, and they started going through OSL, and God just started wrecking them, just with his word and his power, just bringing them alive. And as they were going into their retirement, they made this decision. Frank had been so transformed by Jesus and by his word that he wanted to take what God had done in him and bring it back to some of the hardened criminals that he knew existed in the Guaymas area, and especially in this one prison in Guaymas that was known as being one of the hardest prisons in that district of Mexico. And so Frank and Elena cashed in their retirement, moved down to Guaymas, and they started to visit that prison. And they started going in week after week making relationship, building favor and rapport with the guards there. And slowly and surely, they started a church in that prison. Now, over the years, that prison has now seen a church grow with hundreds of inmates that have not only been saved but been water baptized inside the prison. They've been discipled with Operation Solid Lives inside the prison in Spanish, And now that church is fully functioning without any outside leadership because pastors, deacons, and leaders have been raised up from those inmates and are now leading that congregation in Mexico. They needed a place where the inmates could come out. And when they came out, could also be in community. And so we helped them build a church outside of the prison in Guaymas now, too. And so there's a, check- a second church that's running there. And uh, even though Frank just passed away this last year, Elena is still down there in her late 70s, and she is pastoring both congregations and committed to do so until Jesus takes her home. And uh, whenever I'm around um, Elena now, it just it continues to inspire me because they have paid a great cost in many different ways, leaving their family and their friends. They could have had a very different retirement than what they're experiencing, but there is absolutely in their eyes no regret because they're seeing the lives of people transformed on a regular basis because they simply said yes to taking that baton. And my prayer for you even this morning as we close is as we pray is that the Lord just begin to soften your heart and open your eyes to whatever your mission field is because the word missionary is actually not found in the Bible. It's a word that we came up with. It came about in the 1500s when the Jesuits were sending people out with the gospel message. And it simply came from this Latin word missio, which meant to send. And so ultimately, even as we're experiencing this journey, I'm like, missionary, it's just a title that the church has come up with, but it really is something that just describes people who understand that they're sent. They live as sent ones. They realize that their life is all about the Great Commission. And we are called to be missionaries wherever God has placed us, but it does start with opening up our arms, opening up our hand, and taking a hold of this baton and allowing Jesus to show us what our mission field is. Maybe it is the moms in your network. Maybe it is your colleagues. Maybe it is your neighbors, and it's about just getting out of your front door and starting to build relationship and loving people with the love of Jesus. But wherever it is, can I charge you this morning? Be intentional. Be intentional. Don't let another Christmas and another Easter go by without going and taking some kind of step to be in invite people to church, to love on them, and to share with them your testimony. Because life is short, and we know that. And every day we have an opportunity to say yes to that go. Can we pray? Father, we thank you so much for how you've transformed our lives. Lord, we thank you that we have received so much from you. And Lord, that you want to continue to show yourself strong on our behalf. Lord, I thank you that for every need in this room, you are the answer, Jesus. Lord, you are the answer financially, relationally, to any health issue. You are the answer. But Lord, I also thank you that you, even in our own states of brokenness and where we lack, you continue to extend this baton of the Great Commission to us. Because your faith and your confidence is not in us. It is in the power of your spirit upon our lives. As we step out in obedience, Lord, I thank you that you meet us there. And through our simple obedience and our love for others, you will do the supernatural. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that even as we have in this moment closed our eyes, that we would begin to see with different sight, that we begin to see through the eyes of your heart, And recognize who those people are, Lord, that you've called to be our mission field in this season. Lord, I pray right now you would begin to bring faces to us, bring names to us, bring spheres of influence to us. Lord, I thank you that for even places of work that we have moaned and groaned about, why are we there? We don't like it. Lord, that you would begin to even show us we're called there for a purpose. It's not just about what we get. It's about what you've called us to give in those places of work. Thank you, Lord. And just with your eyes closed right now, I want you to see Jesus looking at you, however that might look in your heart. I want you to see the eyes of the Lord just looking at you in this moment. And his eyes don't look at you with shame, with condemnation or disappointment. The eyes of God well up with love and acceptance and forgiveness as they gaze on us. And as you look at his eyes, I just want you to hear his voice speak to you those words that he spoke to the disciples in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The enemy is already defeated. The battle has been won. But now I'm handing you the baton. Will you go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations? And this morning, can I encourage you, will you respond back to Jesus? Under your breath, will you begin to mutter whatever it is that you feel like you need to say to him this morning? Because a question deserves a response, and so, Lord, in my own life, God, I respond back to you and say, yes. Lord, I will continue to daily pick up my cross and follow you. Lord, daily I will continue to take that baton. Help me, Spirit of God, to push past my comfort zone, to push past my fears of what people might think. And help me to keep my eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Help me to give what I freely received and be the vessel that your answer gets to pour into a world that is so hurt, broken, and messy. May I have confidence not in myself, but in confidence in who you are and what you do.